Hello and welcome to the Hustle and Bustle podcast. My name is Nicole Bennett and I'm an urban and regional planner and I'm the host of this podcast. Each episode I'll bring to you conversations with city shapers and thinkers, leaders in the field of urban planning and growth. I'm located here on the beautiful Gold Coast in Australia. We're a host city for the Summer Olympics and Paralympics in 2032. So the next 10 years is being described as a bit of a golden decade of catalytic change for our city and for our region. The conversations on this podcast are going to help us understand some of the opportunities and challenges ahead of us. So please take a minute from your busy hustle and bustle kind of day and let's have a great conversation. And welcome to episode three of the Hustle and Bustle podcast. So I've, I promised in the first episode that I would make sure I brought to you lots of interviews and no solo episodes, but here I am telling you at episode three that this is a solo episode. But I think that the topic is is really important and it's something that will help us in the future with these episodes because I've had a detailed look at some of the Olympic Games bid documentation. So this is the documentation that went to the International Olympic Committee for them to be able to make their decision about the 2032 Olympics being held in Brisbane and Southeast Queensland. So in this documentation, it talks about the vision for the Olympic Games and also the specifics about what venues we're going to build, what venues we're going to upgrade, what infrastructure we're going to build, um, and some of the governance and economics around the Olympic Games. So I thought I would just read to you some of the key points that I, I found in this research. I, I was reading it all last night and I, and I really wanted to just specifically focus in on the Gold Coast and what I found in the documentation about the Gold Coast. Um, but on the outset, I just wanted to say this is just the bid information. So this is the information we've put to the International Olympic Committee uh, and this is a bit of a starting point in my mind, so I'm not entirely sure of the process moving forward and hopefully we can get some great guests on the podcast to help us understand, you know, can we add venues or can we add infrastructure to this list? Because I think there's a few um, things that I was surprised weren't on the list. Anyway, I will go through some of the findings. So the first one was I just wanted to highlight some of the key themes of the game. So this is kind of like the vision um, so the first one was about creating a great games. Um, the second one was about supporting local development and creating legacy. Then there was one around engaging the world. Um, the next theme was about sustainable and resilient uh, development and games, which is excellent to see. And the final one was about good partnerships and good governance. So that's everyone working together really well. So that sort of drives the whole bid. Um, a key element under a number of those themes was the, the notion of the games being carbon positive. So I found this really surprising. And actually, I can understand it's a requirement of the International Olympic Committee that we develop a positive carbon footprint, um, which, you know, a lot of countries and companies around the world are, are aiming for carbon neutral. Uh, so, you know, obviously that's creating a zero impact, but this is actually to create a positive carbon outcome. Uh, and what I can understand, they're looking at applying some science-based targets to reduce the carbon emissions and then compensating more than 100% of that carbon footprint. Um, so it doesn't say how much more, but I guess it just if it's 101%, then, then we've achieved carbon positive, but hopefully we can do much better than that. And the final one was really great because it's about leveraging influence 
So hopefully we can use the games and use the, the findings from some of the carbon work to influence better outcomes, better climate positive outcomes with our partners, with you know uh, businesses within Queensland, uh, around Australia and hopefully internationally as well. And sort of coming from that carbon positive goal was that 84% of venues for the games are already built. So there's only six new venues in Queensland proposed for the games. There are a few more which will be temporary, um, but there's only six new venues. And all of those venues are fully aligned with the existing development plans for the region. So that's to say that those six new venues will be built regardless of whether the games were coming or not to southeast Queensland. Um, they're needed for their communities. Um, and so really it's it that helps with the economics of the games, um, but it also helps with creating a positive carbon footprint for the games. Okay, so that's sort of the broad stuff. And, and, the, and there's a lot more information in there, but I just thought I'd just pull out some of those key bits around that. Now, specific to the Gold Coast, um, so it looks like the Gold Coast will host nine sporting events and in seven of our competition venues, five of those venues are existing. Most of them were built or upgraded for the 2018 Commonwealth Games. So we do have two new venues, but both of them are temporary. So the first one will be built at Broad Beach Park, which is the park where the Broad Beach Bowls Club is, so just south of the Broad Beach Bowls Club. And that looks to be a stadium of 12,000 capacity for the beach volleyball, which, as I said, will be new but temporary. So it looks like it'll be removed after the games. And the second venue, which, again, is new but temporary, will be just all the triathlons set up in the Broadwater Parklands. Uh, the big ticket item, I think, for for the Gold Coast is the new Olympic Village, which is planned to be built at Rabina. So we'll have about 2,600 beds in four residential towers up to about 19 storeys in height. And that's planned on the land adjacent to the Rabina Town Centre. So it's owned by QIC. It's about eight hectares. The, you know, it's a big parcel of land there. Um, and it, it's going to be a mixed-use development. So it looks like there's going to be commercial and, and all, all sorts of other uses going on to that that parcel of land and obviously once the olympic games is over you know that'll be transferred into you know into permanent residential and and that's a great injection into that community right near the train station so it's got good connections into into those um other venues so one of the key elements of that that location was that you can get to all of those competition venues within about 20 25 minutes on the gold coast so moving to linear infrastructure, so really interesting stage three light rail is, is shown as, as something that's needed for the game. So the stage three light rail, as everyone knows, is from Broadbeach to Burley. But the extension from Burley to Coolangatta, which is stage four, is not shown on the maps of the bid document. So the bid has not relied upon stage four. It's not relied upon that connection to the airport, which I found really surprising because if we've got sort of a significant Olympic village of over 2,000 athletes at Rabina, you know, getting people from the Gold Coast Airport to Rabina easily is going to be a key, um, you know, sort of criteria, I guess. Um, and, you know, so how we do that is, is going to be interesting. Um, the other bit of linear infrastructure that is on the map is the Coomera Connector. So that's that second M1, which is planned. 
Um, so that's on the maps. And also on the map is the upgrade to the M1 in the south. So I'm guessing that's the existing work that's occurring at Palm Beach there on the M1. Um, but, yeah, there's upgrades to the M1 shown. Um, so and that's sort of the key bits of, of the Gold Coast. I just thought I'd just also mention that the economics of the overall bid is really interesting. So the organisation budget is fully privately funded. It's going to cost around $4.5 billion US dollars. But those costs are forecast to be outweighed by the increased economic activity and tax revenue, which is sitting at around $6.1 billion US dollars just for Queensland. So it costs around $4.5 billion, but we're expected to return about $6.5 billion to Queensland. So, yeah, there, there's some of the, the key highlights um, from the bid that I could see. Um, I'll leave it there. Um, thanks for tuning into this episode. I appreciate all your support. I've had some great feedback on the past two episodes. Um, I've now managed to get the podcast on Apple Podcasts, on Google Podcasts and Spotify. So please like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it. Um, by liking and subscribing, it just makes these episodes available to more people and it helps me get the best calibre guests along. You can also follow us on Instagram, which is hustle underscore bustle underscore podcast, where I'll be making guest announcements and that's where you can provide all your feedback and input on the episodes. So that's all from the episode. Thanks again for, for listening. I'll catch you next time. See ya.